Hello and welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing professional females looking for practical ways to optimize all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritize your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritize your health, learn to fuel your body, found time for exercise, and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviors for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Today on the podcast, there is so much noise in the health and fitness space. It's often really difficult to know where to start when it comes to exercise. I get it completely. For busy women in particular, knowing what to do is the first problem. So should we be running? Should we be weightlifting? Should we be doing yoga? It's what to do. But then the second issue, working that into your busy weekly routine. That's another problem altogether. But today on the podcast, we have Denise Yates, who is going to shed a lot more light onto exercise, particularly exercise in midlife. So how to really navigate exercise through these sandwich years. Maybe you're supporting the kids, but also relatives, older parents. Maybe you're navigating the menopause journey. It can be really, really difficult to know what to do to get the biggest bang for your buck and to make sure that we are prioritizing health at all times. But Denise is going to be with us today, walking us through the do's and don'ts when it comes to exercise in midlife. Before we get into this week's episode, I teased a little bit last week, but I'm so pleased to say that we have now launched the Lifestyle Project. The mission of the Lifestyle Project is to equip you with the tools you need to build a life that you love, one habit at a time. The Lifestyle Project is for anyone who wants to take control of their health and well-being. They want to throw out the fad diets and be supported to make long-term sustainable changes to their health. We designed the Lifestyle Project for three reasons. The first one, because I speak to women all over the world every single week, and these women may be on different time zones, but they're facing very similar barriers. They want to have more energy and stop living a life where they're on autopilot. They want to improve their sleep. They want to drop body fat. They want to improve their physical fitness. They want to increase their confidence. I see this across the board. The second reason is because as much as we all want to make a change, We don't just want the next meal plan or the next exercise program. We want to be supported along the way. We want to have someone there to ask questions of when we need to, to reassure us, to guide us. We don't just want the next program. We want the human element. We want that real connection. We want to be able to have a conversation with a real person. And lastly, the third reason we designed the Lifestyle Project is we understand that you're bored of following the latest fitness trend of being sold a supplement on Instagram or stocking up on shakes and bars. It's one more thing that when you very understandably can't stick to it, it's completely unrealistic, you can't stick to it, it just leaves you feeling guilty and really deflated afterwards. It's not conducive to long-term success and it's not what we want for our ladies. So enter the Lifestyle Project and we're really, really excited to bring this to you. There is someone in your life who wants to improve their health, improve their diet, drop a couple of pounds, be fitter, have more structure and routine in their week, sleep well at night. They just want to be a happier and healthier version of themselves. There is someone in your life who fits the bill there, they fit the criteria, that they want to make these changes. They just don't know where to start or they just need a little bit of encouragement to start. I guarantee a friend, a colleague, a family member, someone you know is in that position. I'll ask, 
if you can think of that person right now, you can visualize them. Maybe you've recently had a conversation around this. Send them a link to the Lifestyle Project. I'm going to link it in the show notes below. For a limited time, we are offering the Lifestyle Project completely free for 30 days. 30 days, completely free, no strings attached, coaching from myself and the team, access to our program, everything. And I'll be very transparent as to why. We want your feedback. We want to take a select group through our program and to hear about their experiences, what they loved, what was most useful, and then what we can enhance to make even better for future. So the Lifestyle Project is going to be free for 30 days for a limited time. We're going to take a really select group of individuals through. And the only thing that we ask is that we get feedback at the end as to how they found the experience. If this is of interest, I'm going to link this in the show notes below and we cannot wait to hear from you. If you're interested in more details, there is a link to our webpage with some frequently asked questions at the bottom. Give it a read. Give a read of our client experiences. And if you're interested, get in touch. We would absolutely love to hear from you. That's more than enough for me. And let's get into this week's episode with Denise Yates. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Health Hacks podcast. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by Denise Yates. Denise is a personal trainer, a menopause training specialist, an Ironman certified coach and endurance athlete competing in triathlons. She's a Scottish open water swimming champion and has completed an 800 mile self-supported bike ride across the Andes. Needless to say, Denise, when I was going through and researching for the podcast, the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness, this lady is so tough. I cannot wait to get into hearing more about your own experiences. But firstly, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Caroline. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. We're really, really pleased to have you and we're going to be diving into exercise today. And I cannot think based on your experiences, anyone better qualified to talk to us today about exercise, particularly exercise in midlife, Denise, because I know that working with um, with ladies 40 plus is a is a passion of yours. Um, talk to us a little bit about your background, how you got into the events and the, the sporting achievements that you have that you have achieved. Sporting side of things, I suppose, came quite early. I'm not going to go through my whole life. You probably think, why is she mentioning being five years old? But I think that's the thing that sticks in my mind was being dared to wade into the North Sea uh, when I was five by one of my um, relatives. And I think that kind of sets you in good stead, doesn't it? For thinking, right, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, I think from there, swimming, I didn't swim that particular day, but swimming always became the thing that I really enjoyed, I sort of you know associated it with having fun. I used to go swimming with my brother. Um, and then when I was 10, I was diagnosed as an asthmatic. Um, and I think this is a big thing that sticks in my mind is what sometimes can define you. Of course, I wasn't mature enough at that age to know that this is something I, you know, I could just sort of shrug off as a label. But uh, I, I started to hear more and more things, though. People used to say to me, the doctor, so, oh, swimming's good for you, swimming's good for you. And I must admit, I found that that compared to running around an athletics track, we're now sort of fast forwarding into like probably 12, 14, that I think because I had hay fever as well, always made me feel really wheezy and really not, not great. But swimming was a thing that I loved. Uh, I went on to do like sort of challenge myself doing swimathons. I joined a swimming club at the age of 20, which is probably a little bit late in the day to be doing that. You know, I was in a club where I was the oldest person. Most of the kids were kids who were 14, 15 years old. But I think I then developed a sort of a, the feeling of the camaraderie by joining a master's swimming club, um, which is then, you know, age appropriate, 20 to 25. You kind of compete in your age group, but it's more than anything, it is about that vibe and that feeling of being part of a community. Um and they introduced me to open water swimming. So we're talking back in the day before anybody else was oh, 25 plus years ago, before open water swimming was really a thing that people were talking about. Uh, and that's when I started to say, yeah, that like Scottish open water championships. I was first over four miles and seven miles and second over 10 miles. Um, you know, no wetsuits, none of that. It's uh, proper freezing cold water. And that, I think, made me then realise that, oh, well, I can do things then. You know, asthma doesn't need to be the, I can't exercise. 
Uh, and from there, you know, another friend dared me to enter the London Marathon. There seemed to be a recurring theme there, which was, uh, yeah, OK, I'll do that. And we managed to get in. Uh, so we sort of entered the, that sort of cycle of, hmm, what next? Do another, do another marathon, do another marathon. Um, dabbled with triathlon. And, but I actually, I just sort of seemed to be drawn to these massive um challenge type there were, I mean there were small events in terms of people only a handful of people doing them but like a quadrathlon where you'd swim across Loch Tay run seven Monroes kayak seven miles and cycle 34 you know that kind of thing <laughs> um and then um I just think again another sort of thing that made me think about things that define us I did and I mean, I'd, I'd done a few marathons, but I did Loch Ness Marathon, taking me back to a, an event I used to work on years ago. And it was a hillier marathon than London Marathon, but I was, and it was, I was 11 years older than my first marathon in 2000, but I did the fastest time I'd done. And I remember my mum saying, well, how does that work? How can you get faster when you get older? And I thought, hmm. Well, that's interesting. Why is that people's perception that we have to slow down because we get older? Uh, and so, as you mentioned, then I went on to sort of just take opportunities. And when people say, would you like to try this? I'm like, oh, 800 miles across the Andes. I mean, interestingly, the thing that really made me anxious about that, again, was I'm asthmatic. But the, the guy who I worked on events with said, well, if anything, that's an advantage because you're used to breathing with less oxygen, you know, because I was thinking of altitude and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was pretty much it. So in the background, I'd been running events. Um, I built up my own events business and often delivered sporting events as well. Um, and I've always kind of gravitated towards, I think, you know, I've got, I've got my Ironman qualification, as you say, uh, menopause for athletes qualification and um, personal training. But I think from my own personal side, I like setting myself a challenge that I think it's not a mass one everybody else is doing, but it's something that I like to have probably control of. <laughs> and uh, and it might just be a little bit different. So that's a sort of mix. I just thought that the two seem to go quite well together, um, you know, being an event specialist, delivering events, mostly for charities, do, organizing a lot of these events for charities uh, and my passion for sports. So, yes. Yeah, so, it's quite complimentary. Denise is laughing off her ability to run these Munros. If anyone doesn't know what a Munro is, it's a very high Scottish mountain. <laughs> and if anyone does not know what the North Sea is, I've literally, I think I've put one toe in it once and that was enough to say. So <laughs> I have two questions. The first one, do you consider yourself to be tough? Hmm. Um... Yeah, interesting one. I, I I wouldn't say tough. I mean, I know people use the word resilient quite a lot for me, and I think that that is possibly nearer the mark. I think, well, mentally tough. Although there, I, I I think the biggest challenge for me, interestingly, when I think about all these challenges I've done, is during the pandemic, my events business was pretty much being decimated, mm -hmm. and so that for me is the the biggest challenge I've ever had. So I think you know. Was I mentally tough then? It didn't feel like it. But yeah, so I think tough comes as I sometimes find a little bit of a double-edged word. You know what I mean? Do you know, mm -hmm. Does it feel a little bit, you know, I don't know. Um, it can be off-putting. So I, I try and sometimes shrug that off and think, oh, there are people that are better and tougher than me. <laughs> We've just talked about that Scottish tendency to um, be very humble in our, our achievements. And my other question, I've always um, wondered with individuals who do ultra endurance events, and I would imagine having never done one myself, there are moments in those events where it maybe feels a little bit, I've only heard David Goggins go into deep detail about this, but he's talked about times in, in races where you're on your own and it can, it can feel lonely and it's only you and your mind and the thoughts that are in between your ears. What kind of things do you think about when you're in those moments? What, where does your mind go when you're in those events? Oh, God, good question. Um, David Goggins, by the way, great reference. Uh, the man who gaffer tapes his leg up so that he can <laughs> carry on running. Um, I think I just, hey, I'm going to curse it now. I, I've, got, I've got an un, 
sort of broken thing of not having a DNF. I did not finish. I just think, and I always think, oh, God, no, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Sometimes some of the events I've done as well have been for charities. And I just sort of think, oh, all these people are, you know, relying on me. And um, I did a 24-hour aqua bike last year, which I'd set myself, which involved swimming for 30 minutes and cycling for two hours. So I was swimming in the Thames and cycling for two hours around Richmond Park, your way, and uh, doing that in rotation for 24 hours. And I was thinking, oh, no, about 14 hours in, what am I doing? And I just start to think, no, just think about, I think as well as the positive messages that people have given you as well and think, oh, this is amazing. What a great thing to be doing. And and I was doing it for a, a Carers UK um, and Carers Scotland, a charity which were quite close to me. And I thought, no, come on, do it for them and do it for those people. The message with that particular event as well was that carers work 24-7 and you don't have any respite. So I thought, I can do one uh, one day of 24 hours, can't I? Come on. <laughs> you know, they've, they've got this relentless, um, you know, job that they're doing. So I think it's a combination of things, really. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So, so incredible. Right. Let's go into today's episode. We're going to be talking about exercise and we will touch on the endurance side of things. But Denise, you work with women. You work with women across the world at various stages in their fitness journey. I would imagine not everyone you work with is uh, an ultra endurance athlete. Um, But I really want to talk today about women and exercise because Obviously, we are told time and time again, you know, we should be exercising. This is the amount that the government prescribes. This is why we should be exercising. And yet, women in the UK, across the Western world in particular, are struggling to get the recommended amount of movement and activity into our busy working weeks. What are, should we start with the benefits of exercise for for everyone? For everyone listening, what are the benefits of exercise to our physical bodies? Well, of course, um, it's cardiorespiratory fitness, it's health fitness um, and brain health as well. Actually, I, I think a lot of people don't sort of factor that in. But, um, you know, it reduces the risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, all those sort of chronic diseases. Can um, So there are those real benefits. But one thing that I think I'm really particularly passionate about, which, I'm, you know, we will talk a lot about is the 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 muscular strength aspect that we need to think about in bone density, particularly as females, um, you know, as our hormones start to decline and have the risk of osteoporosis. So I think that's my particular passion as well, where I think it's that's the piece that isn't spoken about enough um, because, well, what, surprise, surprise, 95% of research for sports and a lot of things is done on men. So, you know, I think the, the message sometimes doesn't get out there. I think, what is it, the recommended... It's 150 minutes of moderate exercise um, a week. And actually then that someone might say, well, I'm not, I haven't got that two and a half hours a week to do. And and the good news is that there's ways that we can do that in a lot more sort of, um, we can train smarter, not harder, not longer. So, Mm. yeah. I would imagine you're in a very similar position to me in that a lot of our ladies are wearing multiple hats over a given day. They're juggling a lot within their working week. What, are some of the ways that we can be smarter in how we're training and those government guidelines they I fully appreciate that they have to uh, they have to give guidance and they have to talk to a population at large which can't be an easy thing to do but they're quite difficult to decipher exactly what they mean by moderate exercise and what exactly is the is the right prescription for individuals and I wonder if you have any insight into how you guide your ladies into getting enough activity into their week well I think it's yeah it is about being smarter and I think that that's ironically well women are actually inherently built for endurance so that sort of long um, steady state type work we don't actually need to be doing that much of that. You know, people sometimes prioritize, oh, that's great because I've, I've gone and done a, I've jogged for 45 minutes or something. Actually, we'll come on to it. That could be not quite so good for you as you move into peri and menopause. Not as effective as the kind of training we should be doing. So it's really about getting into sort of 
bite-sized chunks and to really prioritize strength. As we move past the age of 30, depressingly, our, our lean muscle mass starts to decline by between 3 and 8%. So that's quite a sobering fact. And as we move into our 60s, it's in a more rapid decline. So from the age of 30, you really want to be thinking about setting yourself up for what's ahead and maintaining what you have, not losing it for sure and building it if you can. So to do sort of this kind of strength training that you need to do for that, you're talking low reps and high weights. So actually you could do an effective workout around that kind of weight in 15 minutes you could do uh, the other big protocols around doing hip training, you know, and doing where you're doing. But we're talking high intensity and we'll come on to more why we do that. But, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds with the you know, 30, 40 seconds rest. So you could do six, eight rounds of that. Again, it's another 15 minute block. That is actually going to do you much better good than doing 45 minute jog or a body pump class, I have to say. <laughs> What's your um, issue with body pump classes? It's more, well, it's particularly for um, women as we move into our 40s that actually it doesn't, there should be a bit of a, a divide where hard is hard. It's giving us, we need to get more of a muscular, neuromuscular stimulus as we get older. And body pump doesn't give us it because working in that sort of hypertrophy range, which is, um, for those not familiar with the terminology, around about 12 to 16 reps or even more, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I've been a massive fan of body pump back in the day. But before I knew what I know now, and I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not giving you the benefits you really need. It's because it's neither easy nor hard. And it's working for like usually the length of a track or it could be what, two, three minutes. Um, so it's muscular endurance. It's not giving you strength. It's not um, giving you that neuromuscular contraction, which just building your power, which is what you're starting to lose. Mm-hmm. Denise, if you were if someone asked you then how much do I need to be exercising how would you answer that question or would you categorize it based on age would it be different for different age ranges um well it's difficult to say I would sort of break it into chunks of the type of exercise you should be doing and this again will caveat with when we come into more detail about working either with your menstrual cycle or working when we're in peri and menopause, um, because it kind of we should change from week to week in terms of the type of work you, you're doing, the exercise you're doing. So I would say if you did three high intensity sessions a week, so that could be three 15 minutes. So that could be however you want to do it. So if you like running, it could be 20 seconds sprints, 40 seconds recovery, um, doing that maybe six times. If you've got a bike or you go to the gym, you could do the similar thing in the gym or the rower. Uh, you could do it with um, what this body weight exercises. Let's not, you know, dismiss the humble burpee or mountain climber that you can really get a good workout from. So all those things you could do, you could do one of each of those types of things a week. You know, a run one, a, a body weights type thing, or with some um, weights. As long as it's hard and you're doing, you could do the three of those fifteen minute sessions a week. Likewise, you could do, um, you should do two to three resistance training sessions a week uh that's the one that i think a lot of people go oh what does that mean going and you know being in the gym for an hour two to three times a week it doesn't it means yeah doing it smarter and doing your you could do your and it should involve like compound exercise so these are the things that we really need to think about are exercises that mimic everyday life so compound exercises are you know multi-joint um multi sort of muscle so squats deadlifts lunges um press ups things like that so you could do lower body one day and you're doing you know maybe six reps but it, we're talking it like you know that's as many as you could do and you're doing three sets of them um so if you're just doing three like you know squats lunges uh, deadlifts that's you done you could also be whilst you're at the gym you could do that you could back it up with your hits that would work as well you've done 30 to 40 minutes and you've done two of those you know five sessions from your week already so there's there's ways to really be smart about it I don't know if you have experienced this but I definitely did when I was a trainer in the gym lovely ladies would come to me and they were new to the gym space and they put glass ceilings on themselves around their their ability to move weight Mm. to lift things 
They weren't uh, confident in their own strength. I remember passing dumbbells to ladies and there was this look of dread on their face. Caroline, I can't lift that. And I would say, you can, you can, you can. And the, the change in that, in that face, when they lifted the weight, they could do it in the sense of accomplishment. Why do we, why do we find it so difficult to generate that training intensity and to really push ourselves in the gym space, do you think, Denise, to really find that maximal intensity that you're describing there that make those workouts really effective? I think there's a few things going on there. And um, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. There's a, so one, the gym for, for start off, a lot of, you know, women won't want to go into a gym. And I know a lot of women find gyms intimidating uh, you know, the kind of clientele that are there, or if you want to use the squat rack or something, is it being dominated by a group of men? Um, so that's where it is helpful to go with someone else. But also with all of that, we build into it. You wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that someone's going to go into the gym and do right maximum six deadlifts at the high, highest weight you can do. As you know yourself, the trainer, you would start and get the form right and you just use a, a simple bar and just get your form right. Um, and then you'd build into it. But I think it's societal as well, isn't it? People aren't used to seeing women doing that. People associate women who lift big weights with women bodybuilders, and that's not the reality. It's, you know, you'd have to be eating this super high protein diet, you know, really like getting the calories in, doing, I mean, immense workouts that these people do to get, to get bodies like that. You know what? So then they think, well, I don't want to look bulky. I don't want to look like that. And that's another barrier to it. Uh, so I think there's definitely ways around that. And I say I I quite like working with women outside as well, because I kind of think just take us to a little space next to a tree where there's nobody else. And we can sort of, you know, work with the weights and gradually build you up to it. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's a, there's a few barriers that go on there. And, and people don't associate women as I say with and particularly older women when do you ever see an image or I do love some of these Instagram posts though where you do get you know the, the yeah. 90 to 95 year old women's um 100 meter sprint race but it's not the norm you know that's seen as unusual yeah though I hope my mum is doing something like that when she's in her 90s <laughs> I really really will um so that being said do you have as it is a particular passion of yours do you have any particular protocols that you will employ if you're working with ladies who are transitioning through kind of perimenopause into menopause do do the considerations change during that time of life Around yeah, exercise. Really, I think probably if we can, because if, if we're going to go in a sort of chronological order, one thing I'd like to sort of add in before that is that, again, going into societal, sort of challenging societal sort of stereotypes is that women should work sort of, there's ways of working smarter with your hormones. So before you get into that stage and that's around, you know, people, for example, seem to have this thing that, oh, women, when they're on their period, oh, we'll feel rubbish, we're weak, or I've got an event coming up and I've got my period. Actually, those first few days of the follicular phase are actually when we're at our strongest and can actually do higher intensities, lift um, heavier weights. So that's, you know, a bit of, and then we would change that up as we go into the early, early luteal phase sort of around about days 15 to 21. And I think it's important to sort of say that because then when we move into that phase, we should be looking at more aerobic work and, and maximising. So it's being smart around working our hormones before we get to that peri and menopausal stage as well, um, which is not to be, you know, overlooked. Um, and using tracking devices and apps like Wild AI, which are really good. Please, can I ask a personal question? Have you been very, had to be very in tune with your own cycle around? Because obviously the events that you're talking about doing, you have no control over when those will be placed within a month or you know have you had to be very careful and very considerate about your training in the lead up to some of these events yeah I mean it's been really interesting I think that's one of the reasons that got me into this you know sort of coaching first and foremost but then particularly the female side of it because I started to realize from doing the studying I did with so some people might have heard of Dr Stacey Sims who is you know quite a guru in this area and I just sort of thought oh God, I think, you know, from the age of, I think, early 40s, so I'm 55 now, but from early 40s, I think I was now looking back, realised all sorts of things were changing. Um, 
injuries, because we are starting to get as more as the hormones going to flux, you are starting to get more and more inflammation. And even as recently as well, recently, no, it's probably about six years ago, I was getting an ongoing Achilles thing. And I was thinking, oh, God, you know, and then interestingly, when I started to do some sort of weighted training on it, it seemed to get better. And then uh, I was getting scans on it, micro tears, but then muscles get micro tears and repair. And yeah, as soon as I started to track it, I realized that those, the certain stages, so I was probably getting that in that early luteal phase when my body was more prone to inflammation. That's when the injuries were happening. And it was just like a bit of a, oh, wow, right, a bit of a light bulb moment where you think, yeah, now I see what's going on. So I love the fact that, yeah, I've gone through that journey and I can identify with other people and say, no, no, track, track, always take, you know, whether you want to use that app or not, just keep a note of when you get these things coming up. I'm so glad you said that. You're now a number one, a number of experts have come on and talked about um, the menstrual cycle in a number of different contexts, but the recurring theme across all um, of all of these conversations have been, please get to know your own cycle. You can have a coach, you can have, but this is an individual journey that you have to get in tune with what is not quote unquote, air quotes, normal for you. And I'm so pleased that you've reiterated that message. And um, so with equipped with all of this information, you know, what is uh, what your cycle looks like, you know, how your training is effective. You've gone through your, your thirties into maybe your early forties. You're starting to notice some changes. How would you adapt or be considerate of adapting a lady's um, training around that perimenopausal window? Well, this is so we're kind of hopefully in our 30s and, and not everybody has been. I appreciate uh, is you've equipped yourself by keeping the strength training going. That would be my main takeaway for anybody today is just sort of think about the strength training now and maintaining your power. Uh, so you're ahead of the game when you get there. But it's never too late either. So if you know you're going to peri and menopause, it is starting to change up those things. A, a lot of people, you know, sort of say what well, as I say, they you know the long. I'm doing this. What I hear a lot is I'm doing as much as I used to. In fact, I'm doing more exercise and I'm gaining weight. Uh, and you think, yeah, so that's you're doing completely the wrong thing. Um, or I was talking to a lady recently. I mean, I'm doing two body pump classes a week. I'm going for a run. I'm doing this. And you think, yeah, none of those things are serving you. So what you need to do is really switch that up and, and take in those main protocols, which are the high intensity training, because our hormones going into flux means we're not getting that um, stimulus that we need. So we need to do that high. And we're talking 80 percent effort when you're doing a 20 sort of second intervals. Um, but, you know, and that might put the fear of God into some people. But 20 seconds, if you start it by doing on a, a static bike. That, you know, it's non-impact. It's, you know, if, if you're new to it, you think, well, maybe I'll just do 10 seconds and sort of see what does really hard feel like. And then you've got the big easy bit afterwards. So it's your body getting used to that stimulus. So it's the, the hit, um, or you can also call it sit, sprint interval training, um, the heavy lifting. So we're now sort of taking it back even further to sort of maybe five to six reps and it is maximum load. But again, you would ease someone into it make sure they've got the right form they've got the confidence to do the the actual movement we're asking of them um plyometrics is the other thing so both the heavy lifting and the plyometrics tie into sort of helping our bone turnover and our bone architecture uh because plyometrics again a word that might scare a lot of people but it's multi-joint movement so interestingly then people say well running but running isn't because it's all in that one forward plane of motion so you're looking at just challenging your joints in different ways skipping does it so skipping hence plyometrics so does some people think of plyometrics as box jumps and yes they are but not everyone wants has the confidence to jump onto a box so jumping or you can do a depth jump you can jump off a curve or a small step and that impact is challenging you in all directions um, a star jump a squat jump um, these things also sort of count as plyometrics. So they're adding into that those sort of real protocols you really need to take into account. Um, and of course, the rest and recovery is the real important bit. Uh, I The thing about doing that sort of long, what you sometimes call grey zone training, 
I get that people, so I do train women who are a mixture of women who are training for us a small goal or just to sort of get better muscle tone or whatever it is. But likewise, some endurance cyclists or triathletes and they think, well, but what about my long ride or my long run? And yes, I think, again, because we're inherently built for endurance, we've got that in a way, but it actually ticks the social box as well, I think, and a confidence thing to think, can I go out on my bike for more than three hours? But you should be at that heart rate zone one or two. So you're kind of complementing the other bits with that and keeping that ticking over. Um, but if you start to go out on those long rides or those long runs and you're at that sort of, for people who maybe don't know sort of heart rate zones, where you can't hold a conversation, for example, then you're working too hard. It's not, because again, it's not, easy and it's not hard and it's sitting in that space where hormones have made I know there's been a lot of debate recently about cortisol being demonized and it's it's more than that it's more it's it's about that there's more stress hormones than, than just cortisol paints in the picture but cortisol has its place but cortisol levels are quite high first thing in the morning and I'm a big fan of working with that as well and thinking do your exercise when you're there because as the day goes on you're levels will naturally decline getting you ready to go to bed so I'm one of my big bugbears is like try not to do a hit interval at nine o'clock at night because it's not really going to set you up for a good night's sleep um and of course from your conversation with Dr Narina we know how important sleep is uh, for recovery absolutely um I think one of the things there Denise is what the takeaway will be for ladies is that variety is key but really making sure that we are, as you've said, training smart. That grey zone is a really interesting concept for me, I think, because a lot of us fall into the trap of doing workouts that are around about that 45 minute, 60 minute mark, because we've been told that's really what we should be doing. And I think for a lot of women that I speak to as well, a successful workout, quote unquote, successful workout is one where I have sweated I've sweat, I've sweated. My heart rate is up. I've, you know, and they often associate that with something like a half an hour run or some something along those lines, because that real discomfort from leaning into those hard hit micro moments of real grind, you know, when you just don't know if you can keep going, that's so uncomfortable that I would rather back off and do something in the grayscale for longer than really be in that, that high intensity. I'm just, I'm putting my, myself in the, in the eyes of my, some of my ladies who've, I've had these conversations with before, which I'm sure you have too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I get you. I mean, I, you know, I set myself these sessions on the turbo train of my bike and, and it does make me think, oh God. Uh, but I know the feeling after it is so much better than the feeling of doing the, that kind of long sort of sluggish kind of ride. Drawn out feeling. I go to a spin class where, and I don't know if this is for everyone, but the spin class that I go to has the, um, on the screen in front of everyone, shows you everyone's power, wattage, their RPM, everything. Now for me, I'm quite, I didn't realize I was quite as competitive as I am. And for me to see the numbers in front of me, nothing makes you push. They put the sprints up and you can see how much you've, you push. He'll call you out sometimes if you're not, if you're not working as hard um, as you're used to. Now for me that I love it. I should, maybe should have been in the army, but it's, um, it's quite militant that way. Um, but I, that feeling where you really do push and it's, it's, you're giving everything yeah. I don't get that in any other context. That's why I go. Yeah, yeah. And then some people do need to, uh, absolutely to be spurred on like that. But I think that, um, let's say, when I set similar um, sessions like this for people, well, they are then doing it on their own, but they, they, they're going against themselves. So it's interesting what you said about the spin class there, because tell me that it's not just your watts, but do they calculate your watts per kilo as well? Or no it's not that technical because that for me it could be a demotivator for people because so to people that don't understand that it's this sort of ratio so you know I'm whatever kilos but somebody that's 30 kilos less than me will be able to push out less watts but yeah. for them it could be that they've got higher power ratio than me so 
I go on a bike that I think is set lower than everyone else. So I always feel like I have to work harder, but that just gives you an insight into my mind. <laughs> anyway, this <laughs> speaking of the mind, um, we've talked about the physical benefits of exercise and the way to approach this, but as someone who has done such a variety of, of exercise and you talked about the challenges that you faced and actually your biggest challenge was was work related mm -hmm. but what are the effects that you found of exercise on you, you know the psychological benefits along with that I think for me um and I'll come on to some examples of women I've worked with as well but I think it is I, I think it was a bit of a lifesaver I Possibly because I've just got into that routine of I, it's one of the first things I do in the morning. I go for a swim in the serpentine is one of my sort of little rituals, um, ticking that cold water box at the same time. Uh, but, and I know that I won't feel good um, unless I've done something or been out in nature, I think is more to the point of that one. And that's, I think when some people get hung up on exercise, if all they can think about is their association is going to a gym and I don't want to go to a gym then it doesn't need to be like that. There's so many more creative ways we can exercise and feel good about things um, in nature. But, you know, during the pandemic, and, you know, we were talking earlier about how everything started to close down, even the serpentine. Um, I set myself a, a challenge that year to do, to cover the equivalent distance of the length of South America by cycling, swimming, running, kayaking, and paddle boarding, basically anything that I thought I could do. and did a little blog about it every week where where I would be if I had done that, you know, 70K that week or 120K that week. And that for me was a great motivator. It actually did save my sanity in a way, I think, because I felt like I was achieving something. Um, but I think when I see it, how it relates into other people, <clears throat> excuse me, there's, I love, I think one of my particular passions is seeing that in someone else. And, um, from, you know, the, the first person who asked me to be their coach who hadn't really been doing much cycling before and said, well, I want to do Mallorca 225, which is this intense kind of cycling challenge. And then seeing that, you know, she surprised herself by being able to do it. Um, her benchmark was, you know, she managed to beat a lot of men who hadn't done it, I love. Um, but then she's since made quite a big life-changing decision around her personal life and I think you know she talks about it and said I, I think I underestimated how much that impacted on everything else you think if I can do that I can do that um or a client that had been going and going for jobs not getting them and coincidentally the she then landed her dream job and and I thought one thing I used to always say to her is you're so tenacious there's that word that I have as well and determined and dedicated to your training if you ever wanted a you know a reference from one of the jobs you're going for I'd be delighted to because I think why do you know this they used to always ask for references from like doctors or things like that and I think I could say what an amazing woman that that person is who puts the hours in never really misses a workout um just you know is so dedicated to it or and also then you get the the mental um, release that I, I work with some sort of postpartum mums. And for them, it's about claiming a bit of their themselves back and getting out of the house, um, going to the park, doing a session and thinking, this is me and I've managed to do this now. And then that will make them, they've said, you know, when they go home, feel a lot better and a, a, a sort of more rounded person for it. So, yeah. What about someone listening who is in that state, which I'm sure has happened to all of us at some point in time, where we've missed the workout and we've missed the next one, maybe missed the one after that. We're now a week, two weeks, and we just can't get going. We just, we feel low, we feel lethargic, and it just doesn't make us want to exercise. What would you say to that individual now? Well, I think this is the thing that I do like to think sort of sets me apart in a lot of ways is that I, I like to come to it with a holistic approach because I don't, yes, you need the metrics and, you know, I, I set some sessions through apps and, and so that I can see the real measurements um, and the you know, results like that. But for me, if I start to see, and it does happen, you know, uh, a lot of the ladies I work with are in that, you know, what you call sandwich generation where you've got you know, not only childcare, but also parental responsibilities, 
you know, stressful jobs. And so I always will then sort of check in and say, you know, how are you doing? What can we do to, and a lot of those sessions are, as I've described, on the shorter end, but can we do this differently? Or have you tracked where you're at as well, depending if we're still, you know, having a regular cycle? Is there something like that going on? Um, And I encourage through the platform I use to leave notes about where they are in their cycle, what they've eaten that day, you know, without being militant about it. But I think I like them to shoot, use it as a diary as much as anything. And it's not just about the metrics, it's about how they're feeling. And, you know, so what else is going on? And, and I'm, you know, I'm really pleased to know that I've got that relationship with them, but they'll actually practically come to me and say, look, my mum's ill or I'm on this medication. It's, it's making me feel really demotivated. And I think, right, well, let's, just think about small wins and what we can do to just like do what would give you joy this week what do you is it being outside doing something what can we adapt and can we do something that's in 20 minutes and and I'm a big fan as well because um of people you know there are a lot of people who've got really stressful jobs I think I'll usually check in with them rather than setting them which I know some folks do you're doing this three-week block of training I'll do it on a week-by-week basis and say well what's next week looking like this is happening this day, that there's no point in putting that in if you're not going to achieve it. So let's work around it. Then I'll say, well, perhaps next week, tell me less than that, under under promise and over deliver. So let's say you can get a 20 minute workout in, what could that look like? Um, how could we make that a little bit more sort of palatable? And what you tend to find then is they do a bit of a longer workouts. Um, yeah. Minimal effective dose. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Definitely. What's, the, what's the least we can get away with and get you incredible results so that yeah. you are looking and feeling absolutely fantastic. Denise, it's been absolutely incredible to meet you. It's been great to connect. It's been wonderful to have a, a Scottish a Scottish lady on the podcast today. <laughs> wonderful. to uh, we're, we're not from too far afield, actually, originally, which if you, you can probably tell, actually, from the from the the accent um but it's been fantastic to meet you if you if someone's listening to this and they are in a position where they would love to be exercising more regularly but they find they're always prioritizing other areas of life you mentioned your clients with stressful jobs and we were in that sandwich a stage of life where we're um juggling all all sides of our you know caregiving and our responsibilities what one piece of advice would you give to someone who would love to be that, you know, that person who went to the gym three, four times a week and got their sessions in? What would you say to that individual? Oh, is it got to be one thing? Oh, um, <laughs> a little catalog of things. Well, I think it's, it really is giving yourself credit for small wins. Um, I, for me, and being passionate about women sort of prioritizing, getting themselves in the best place that they can be, you know, what do you want to be fit for in a later life? Do you want to still be able to be like my dad who plays table tennis, who's 85 years old and plays table tennis three times a week, goes to the gym, works in his allotment, or do you want to be the 50-year-old that I sometimes see that can't even get out of a chair? So I think your biggest incentive has to be what you want, that you want to be strong and age positively. But I think it is just about keeping um, a diary of your small wins. Maybe get yourself accountable to somebody. I think, you know, a PC or coach obviously is great. Uh, but it's it could be a friend. And if you say, and I would say, do it, try and do it in the morning. Um, try and get that done because the day will run away with you. If you can sort of say, I'm going to do this tomorrow morning and I'm going to tell so-and-so I'm doing it or I'm going to meet so-and-so I'm doing it, do it. I'm going to go out for five minutes and I'm going to get a 30-second jog in there. I think you'll find you'll have done more than that by the time you do. That was I love that. one thing. Sorry, I had a... <laughs> no. Absolutely not. But, but what's coming out to me there is is the practicality of it, making you know things that are tan that we can actually build on and we can achieve. And you are someone who, by the nature, I would imagine, of the sports and the events that you've done, has had to play the long game mm-hmm. very often. So you're, I suppose, you've always had to think about you know I'm doing that. I have to be thinking into the future. I have to be thinking this is literally a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I think it changes the way that we perceive time as well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that, and I'm not all about, as I say, I, I'm just fortunate because we do, as women, come you know inherently built with endurance. It's just what I like to do. But I think I I think it's a greater pleasure to see someone that can just tick off that small thing that they've managed to do 
oh, I managed to do a set of mountain climbers for 30 seconds this morning. Write it down. And, you know, before you know where you are, in a few days, a week, a couple of weeks, you'll look back and say, well, look look how far I've come there. And, you know, anything for me in that, in that sort of space is a win, really. Love it. I really do. Denise, anyone listening who wants to find more, out more about what you do, where is the best place to find you? So I have a website, which I don't know if it'll be in show notes or not, but it's, there's that awkward spelling of my name, Denise Yates. Okay. <laughs> um, and also on Instagram and Facebook um, at Denise Yates Coaching and Events. Um, I am on LinkedIn, but that's um, a little bit more. It's a mix of my events work and my coaching work. But uh, I'd say on uh, Instagram, my website and Facebook. Wonderful. I will link all of it in the show notes below because I had to double check the spelling too. And I want to say a huge thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Denise, so much for your time on the podcast this week. How inspirational is she? Does it make you want to put your trainers on, go for a run or to dive into the pool? It definitely did for me. I thought, how can I be pushing myself more in my next workout? How can I be more Denise? I love the mentality. I love her message. And I love the way that she supports her clients to achieve their health and wellness goals. As ever, thank you so much for joining us on the Health Hacks podcast. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate your attention. I know that it could be anywhere in the world of podcasts and the fact that you choose to spend it here is appreciated more than you know. I'll mention again, we have just launched the Lifestyle Project. We're really, really excited about this program and the value that it's going to bring to ladies just like you. And for a limited time, we are offering the Lifestyle Project completely free for 30 days. Absolutely no strings attached, nothing hidden, no hidden agenda at all. And being very, very transparent as to why we want your feedback. We want to know how you found the program, what you loved, what was more useful, what we can make even better in future. That's all we ask. So if the Lifestyle Project is something that you're interested in for yourself or one of your inner circle, your nearest and dearest, a friend, a colleague, a family member, anyone in your world, send them the link below. I'll put it in the show notes. And there's a ton of information on the Lifestyle Project on the website. So we can't wait to hear from you. We can't wait to work with you. We'll see you next week on the Health Hacks podcast.